I'm Maddie. And I'm Ryan. And this is The Mutant Ages. The Mutant Ages. Da-da-da-da! Da-da-da-da! <laughs> That's our new this theme This is a song. show. Yeah, it is. That's great. It's just a dramatic, just orchestrated version of that. Singing three notes. Yeah, it's going to be go, great. Da-da-da-da! <laughs> okay, that's four. already a song, and it's a great song. It is a great but song. But that's not our theme song. It doesn't have anything to do with the show, either. What's the, what's the show about? This show is actually about uh, reviewing every adaptation of the X-Men ever. I know I said that weirdly but i you know bad up bad up adaptation Ad- adapt Adaption? adaptation back when we were young we experienced a change we felt a power grow in us both wonderful and strange the power to care about the x-men and the mutant brotherhood all of their adventures So this episode is about Scott and Kurt and their beautiful relationship with each other, but they're going to have a fight. So (laughs) Kurt doesn't know if it's going to work out. So he's going to go to another universe where he can blow Forge for a while. And then he's going to be like, fix things up with Scott. And then they're going to blow each other again. And Forge, spoilers for the entire episode. I can't believe. I mean, am I wrong? You're not wrong. And I feel like you just finished recapping it and we don't even need to recap. This is the shortest episode ever. Two minutes. Episode middle verse, which is what it's called, by the way. Oh, right. So we're watching X-Men Evolution. <laughs> we're watching. <laughs> okay. We're watching a television show. Well, yeah. Do you remember it? It was called X-Men Evolution. It was on in the year 2000 when Ryan and I were in high school. And you know who else is in high school? All the X-Men. All the X-Men. Except, except for, for Wolverine and Storm. Because she doesn't have a real name in this. It's just Storm. It's just Storm. They can't say Aurora. She's They're not afraid. in this episode. So, but yeah. She's not. I noticed that. I was like, every X-Men is here except for... Wait, I guess well, Logan's no, not here. None of the adults are in this episode. You know, I like this episode. This is a very teenage episode. It kind of gives the illusion... That this episode, that this world is just about the teenagers, which I think is its strong suit most of the time. There's a little bit of mystique right. in here, but mostly this is a teen drama episode. And I think that's where X-Men Evolution really shines. So it does. It does. And I really wish Logan and Storm could be part of that. I know, but unfortunately, they are not. But here. it turns out that Forge gets to be part of it, which I had completely forgotten. He was even on the show. But and also, like, why does Forge get to be Forge is one of the Forge older characters there. in the X-Men. And for some reason in this, he's way younger than the two adults on this show i know it makes zero sense but according to our own precedent that we've already set where we're like we wish that storm and logan could be teenagers too i was psyched that forge was a teenager as well i was just like i'd much rather have teenage forge than like randomly old Forge. this is a very different i mean all of them are different 
Hey, I I think in personality he's still kind of forged, but yeah, in terms agree. of like the timeline that's happening here, because he well, is they kind of come up with a fun way for him to be from another time, which I thought was cute. I don't know, it really worked for me for whatever reason. I, me too. I enjoyed the episode. So anyway, previously on the X Men, we're not watching X Men the animated series anymore. We're past <laughs> womp, that now. Womp. It's behind us. You can go back and listen to it though if you want to. Those are some great. Yeah, there's apps. A, there's at least like seventy five episodes yeah, there's of a those bajillion waiting apps. for you. So go listen to that. Great show. But right now we're on X-Men Evolution. We're recruiting all the X-Men in season one of X-Men Evolution. Mm -hmm. And we have all of them except for Rogue, who is still with the Brotherhood. But she's on the show. I mean, she's kind of flirting with the idea of joining the X-Men and kind of flirting with the X-Men themselves most of the time. And it's fun. Right. And her and Kurt already have some sort of friendship going on. Which is kind of ramped up in this episode, which is fun to see since they're secretly brother and sister, but they don't know that yet they don't know that yet but also what's really interesting is that this show manages to pair the most random characters together like nightcrawler and cyclops is appearing i would never have guessed in the comic books yeah but nightcrawler this Wolverine, show... certainly but this show has sold me on it and i don't know why this happened also another one that sometimes comes up for me in this is gene and kitty yeah like what gene and kitty is a cute pairing in this i think they actually have similar energies because like scott and kurt on this show is very like straight man funny man and like kurt is like the wacky you know goofball and then scott is the boy scout who's like oh I, let's let's not break any rules oh ho, ho. yeah and like gene is kind of like She's much cooler than Scott, but she's like the older, more responsible one. She's like, like the cooler, older teen that you look up she's to. She's like the hot older girl. And then Kitty's like a freshman, a couple years younger. She's a freshman and she's like looking up to Jean and wanting to be cool too and like trying on her little valley girl personality, but like. It's really awkward because Kitty's a total nerd. Because it's annoying. I know. (laughs) But you know what's really funny? We've gone back to Kitty Pride on this show having lines that are very Kitty Pride. And she also gets to show off Kitty Pride in the way where she's really smart. Like, that is part of Kitty's thing. Yeah. You know? I feel like this episode is also evidence of Evan slash Spike being kind of the odd one out in certain ways, which I don't feel like is entirely unrealistic to, like, how this friends group would really go. Like, he's the new Well, no, especially since he's pretty new. And also, what we learned is that even though he's kind of, like, this punky skater boy, he is nerdy enough to do yeah. diagnostic stands He's without like having any previous nerd training. Randomly. Yeah, which I loved, yeah. and I was like, okay, I'll buy, I'll take it, I buy it. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting to know Evan slowly but surely. I'm really curious about what I'll think of him by the end of the show because I. I'm just he's been invented for this show. So they've had to completely create a new character for him and figure out who they want him to be. So unlike X-Men in the animated series, I watch X-Men Evolution more like I'll go back and watch episodes of this that I really enjoyed where X-Men the animated series. Sometimes I do it, but not as often where I feel like X-Men Evolution is sort of the comfort food of the X-Men where Mm -hmm. I can go back and watch this and just be like, this is simple but like complicated at the same time and it's exactly what i need to calm down sometimes yeah and so if i go forward towards like season three he's still a really interesting character in my opinion and we'll get there but i think he does have a really interesting arc on this show where he keeps on pushing back against what Xavier's teaching him and also all this we have to hide we have to hide I love that I'm so excited to get there I feel like well but then he winds up with the Morlocks where he has to hide and it's just kind of it's an interesting interesting 
story but like right now we're not there we get to enjoy this younger version of him which Mm -hmm. i think is pretty cool i mean all of them are kids they're all closeted mutant wise and so they're all just trying to lead regular teenage lives it's kind of like first season buffy energy like a lot of this really reminded me of that and that's a compliment by the way so anyway no we we like we enjoy buffy so buffy is well liked her that may be the only joss winning thing we like is buffy and angel i don't know i'm not gonna pretend it doesn't have problems but it's got a lot of great shit which was obviously emulated by other shows we don't talk about dollhouse here anyway are we ready to get into the set (laughs) yes we are so (laughs) first of all my first comment here is that i think this was one of those episodes that was animated on a budget because Mm. the animation in this one episode is not as crisp as the other ones and oftentimes including the opening shot the people in the background (laughs) or they pass by they've just given up on drawing faces for some reason they just will have literal dots for eyes and i'm like what happened here yeah they just didn't have enough time this is a complex episode in terms of the action sequences they need to animate so i think they probably spent more time focusing on probably i don't know if it was like a animation a b situation again i don't know if that's still the case but it was definitely not as smooth as the previous episodes but there are parts of it that are are like that Mm -hmm. but right now we're passing people on the bleachers and none of them have faces. They have like dots for eyes and no noses. Yeah. We've just, we've full on gone into anime mode now. So <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, um, all the little X babies, X-Men, whatever are sitting together at, at lunch and they're talking about Duncan Matthews's party. So Duncan Matthews, we don't actually see him in this episode, but he's like a cool jock boy. Who's on again, off again with Jean. And I guess he's having a party and all the X-Men are deciding whether or not, they're going to go to it. Well, it seems like he's having a party that Jean has been invited yes. to. And by extension, she can invite her nerdy friends because Jean's the cool kid <laughs> in school know. who gets along with everyone. Which is so. wonderful. And Scott starts off by being like, I don't think so. And then in the, the background, Evan asks if Jean is going to finish her milk, but she, but he calls it moo juice, which is such a like late nineties, two thousands, really like stupid ass slang term that people genuinely yeah, but you know what? This said. episode makes fun of all the slang that know. the kids they do. have. It does. Like Kurt says so much dumb shit, and then like that's made fun of. Kind of. I don't know. I feel like the showrunners were like a little bit making fun of teenage slang. For that's this okay. Time. I'm pretty sure we were saying stupid shit like. We were, and I'm also too. like, did so, anyone actually say Moo Juice genuinely? I don't know. I just said they did. I email no us idea. at the mutantages at gmail.com if you said Moo Juice when you drank milk. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so what Evan would happen if you that. ate yogurt? Would that be like Moo Goo? That's hilarious. Okay, it's called that now. <laughs> Oh my god. We've coined it. So Scott is like, Matthews is a jerk. And then Kitty's like, well, I'd go. And Scott's like, well, there are no freshmen allowed. And then Kitty goes, Matthews is a jerk, which is really funny. Which I thought was really funny that Kitty probably gets to scream that somebody's a jerk. It's so funny because it's like, as soon as it affects her, she's suddenly like, yeah, I hate this guy because he wouldn't invite me to his party. I liked that. I know. I mean, well, Scott's like, listen. It's too dangerous. Yeah. If anybody touches Kurt at all, they'll realize that he's fuzzy and he doesn't have like normal skin. Right, because Kurt is still wearing his watch that gives the, him a holographic projection that makes him not have blue fur, blue skin, and so on. He yeah. just looks like yeah. a kid. And then Kurt's just like, hey, chicks dig the fuzzy dude. And then he turns to Kitty and he's like, right? And Kitty's like, I'm out of here. See ya. <laughs> yeah. And she just leaves. Yeah. I, I feel like they're still kind of trying to make us believe that Kurt and Kitty are going to be a thing. It I know goes it's going to go away. Which is funny. I know it's going to go away, but they're still kind of like trying to make us believe in it for but the I moment. But I think that's realistic. I would buy that two teenagers oh, would be yeah. like this, that before they become best friends, they flirt 
the fuck out of each other instead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm excited for them to grow past it. So then Scott is like, I'm trying to be serious here. Look, we go to Matthews's party. Suppose Dukes or Maximoff try to start something. And in the background, we see Fred Dukes and Pietro Maximoff walking by a couple of villains we've already been introduced to. In okay, but they're not episodes. even doing anything. They and Scott's aren't. already instigating a problem. He's like, if we go, these guys could show up and then we're all going to have to use our powers. And it's like, or Why? you can just leave each other alone. I mean, to be fair, the rest of the episode is them not doing that but i would say i agree with you like the fault is on both sides where it's like it seems like every kid who's a mutant which i think this is probably realistic if mutant powers existed they just need excuses to use their mutant powers on each other and so they're like well we wouldn't want some type of cool fight to break out and then we'd all yeah, suddenly have to use our cool powers but on then each they other. almost do and then everyone comes up. we'll get Whatever. there speaking yeah. of cool evan's like we're the cool ones yeah. and then he like high fives kurt yeah and Jean, and Jean turns to Scott and she's like, what's wrong with the little socialization? And Scott's like, I'm sorry, but no parties allowed. <laughs> and then Kurt responds to this oh by God. jumping up onto the table and like, <laughs> dancing. What's, he's dancing. He's like, party. Yeah. And his tail comes out. So this is when, this is when it's like, okay, these two are dating yeah. because Scott grabs Kurt by the tail and pulls him down. Mm-hmm. And Scott's like, this is what I'm talking about. You take, you don't take anything seriously. And Kurt's like, you pulled my tail. And Scott's like, grow up, Kurt, if you want to be in a real relationship <laughs> with me. And Kurt's like, well, maybe you're cramping my style. And Scott's like, listen. And Kurt's like, no, you listen to me. Here's a sound I want you to hear. And then he just bamps away. <laughs> And then, and then, like and then, an Scott, and that's really funny. To that fight, by the way, that Kurt's like, "Here's what I want you to hear," and then he just bamps. And I was like, "That's not even anything." Like, I don't I know. Guess I it's think they're just having a little fight. And then Scott realizes that he fucked up by yes. challenging his boyfriend, and he goes, "Damn it! I totally just blew it with my boyfriend, didn't I?" And Gene's just kind of like, "Yep." yep. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because the fight goes on for so long. Like, there's way more back and forth than what you just recapped. I was, like, kind of surprised by how much they're, like, interrupting each other. They really let the voice actors get into it. And they, if anything, it kind of sounds like they're improvising a little bit there. Which is fun. Like, talking over each other and trying to make it sound realistic. I thought it was fun. Very teenage. So then we get to see Rogue sitting outside on a blanket on the school lawn, being very goth by herself. Um, Do you know what she's reading? I don't. What is she reading? She's reading Dracula. Great. Love it. Love that for her. <laughs> so then she sniffs the air. I actually thought she was going to run into Toad here because they're always making yeah, jokes about that. But, but it, she, smells she smells like the Kurt, brimstone. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Because remember whenever he teleports, it, he goes it smells to like a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that that's in this episode. I know you thought it was going to be, but they actually no, don't I know it's there. later that they they bring Forge back and Forge is like, listen, I'm going to make it so we could open up dimension portals because like that's what Forge does. Mm-hmm. So he does that in this episode. So it's kind of like a little preview too. Yeah, that's that's kind of his, his deal on this show. So she sniffs something. She goes into a school supply closet that's nearby or like sort of a weird area. I don't know. Right. There's like another this. entrance to the underground version from the school from the outside. Yeah. And it's like this secret hallway that's not being used. Yep. And Kurt's in there. His image inducer is broken. He sees Rogue because she's like, who is in there? And Kurt, for some reason, thinks that he has to get away from her. I don't think he knows it's her because then when he sees her later, he's like, oh, it's Rogue. Because yeah, but I mean, also, it's his blue he, form. So he's got to avoid. How many people in this school have a huge Southern accent like she That's does, though? That's a good though? point. Yeah. I don't like, know. If I, heard, if I heard one girl in this mostly like non-Southern school be like, what y'all doing down there? I'm like, oh, that's that one girl from the South that we have here. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't know. I mean, you're not wrong, but also Rogue is like 
a little bit scary too. I feel like that's a part of it as well. Because meanwhile, meanwhile, how does Rogue not identify Kurt because she smells him, but also hears somebody speaking in a German accent? Yeah, look, both of them need better recognition of accents. Is really what uh, this really? is coming down I to. I don't even. Know. Yeah, exactly. So Kurt teleports into some room that's nearby. It says, "Do not enter on the room," mm-hmm. and he walks right through a laser that's set up on the bottom. It's like one of those trip lasers. Yeah, and these computers turn on all around him. And it's we have this hippie who appears. It's Forge. It's little tiny baby Forge. I did not know it was Forge, by the way. I was just like, oh, who's this like cute little brown kid? Is he going to be a character? And then later I was like, oh, my God, it's Forge. It's Forge. I know. Like, what the fuck? It's so amazing. basically, Forge has a long monologue, but I didn't write it down. All I wrote was him going, good afternoon. This lab is going to blow up. <laughs> bye bye now. That's basically like, what he says. And he's that chirpy about it. Like, it's like clearly a recording made by like, I don't know, a hacker teen in the 70s, which the reason which is he's really impressive, dressed the, by way the way that he is, is because he's actually from the 70s like timeline wise so he's wearing like a collar it's like very early 70s it's too cute. So. And so then kurt is in the computer lab that's about to explode because that's how forge set it up in the 70s because he was a wacky kid and he's like kurt, he's smoking a lot of weed i hope so and kurt is like i knew i should have paid more attention in computer lab and then meanwhile rogue is outside the door she sees the keep out sign and then everything explodes luckily On no one dies um, I mean, it explodes setting Nightcrawler hurtling into the hallway yes, with Rogue. Yep. And the only reaction is Kirk looking at Rogue going, what are you doing here? And Rogue's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> yeah, like, she's like, look who's talking. Happened? She goes, at least I didn't blow the place up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So she walks in. She's like coughing at the smoke. And she's like, whatever this stuff was, it's thrash now, except for this. And then she picks up this weird device, which... Which Kurt immediately wants. Yeah. I don't know why. why. I, Kurt's I think freaking because, out. I think because, and we just have to get used to this, Rogue is still like a bad guy, quote unquote. And like Kurt sees Rogue picking something up and he's He's like, I don't want the bad guys to have that, so I have to take that away from her. So the X Men have it. That's how but I. But he read doesn't it. even know what it is. It looks like a model of the Millennium Falcon. It does. It looks like a little spaceship, but it's not. It's like a. I don't even know how to describe it. It creates portals. Um, and right, it's a portal gun. Well, so, basically, Rogue accidentally drops the item because they're both tugging at it like children, yep. and she drops it, and it turns on, and it sucks Kurt inside of it, and she's like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, and he's and gone. Kurt Meanwhile. Kurt meanwhile straight up goes to Silent Hill. Yes. There's like dead nurses walking around. He sees Pyramid Head. There's some sirens. It's He's amazing. like, what the hell's happening? Yeah, it's like a mirror universe. I mean, it's called the middle verse. It's what the episode is called, but it's basically Silent Hill. And so like he can see other people at the school. He's still at the school, but he can't right. talk to them. They can't hear him. He's a ghost. There are ghosts also to him. It's spooky as fuck. Um, he sees Evan yeah, and Kitty, see- and they like he sees he sees him. a version of Scott, but his name there is called Scotty, and Scotty's like <laughs> and Scotty's like. Do like, you remember that day? It's like after we get separated from in that lawn hallway. <laughs> are you confusing me with somebody else? And Kurt's like Scott. <laughs> I thought you were Scott. <laughs> Oh my god. Anyway, and then he gets the pillow. All of anyway. that happens. None of that happens. I wish so it did. So Kurt yells what's happening to me dramatically. Pyramid Head is in the background. It's all very ominous. <laughs> yeah, get Pyramid's in the background, but he's not doing anything. He's just chilling. <laughs> he's just chilling He's out. like, he's just smoking show. It's some... It's a kid's show. Yeah, they this can't... version... Yeah, I was gonna... Okay, he can't kill people. And I was about to say, maybe Pyramid Head's in the background just smoking some bud. I don't know. Yeah, he's like trying to smoke under his mask, though. With the, like, with so the nurses. nobody notices it. And yeah. so he doesn't set off the fire alarms at the school. 
school. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, imagine Pyramid Head then turning to the camera and being like, kids, don't smoke. It's bad for you. <laughs> but like while smoking? <laughs> but then he's like, I don't know. It's this. This is going off the rails. It really already. is. Um. So then there's Toad. He's outside. Right. He's in the parking lot. He's eating. He's going to be the, the main antagonist of this. Basically, he is. he is. I still like Toad anyway. Even though this show really wants me to dislike him, I like him anyway. I mean, he's kind of fun. So he is a fun. He's a fun character. So then he's sitting in a parking spot, which is apparently the the parking spot that Mystique wants to pull into in her car. Mystique is the principal at the school, by the way. So she is disguised. She has this brand new card by the way yes which is important actually the fact that she has a new car so she pulls up toad gets out of the way and she's like you're to stay out of this area mr talansky yeah, it's just, basically she sees toad and she's like don't touch my car bitch and she's and like, like don't fucking leave your toadges on my car and he's I, like she literally says that okay <laughs> like fine well apparently this is clearly a problem in the brotherhood frat yeah pad, like is she to- probably toad has some is, nice like, stuff and jer- jizzing on jerking people's off stuff. and everything I mean, I he know. is a slimy, slimy kid. He's gross. That's not his but fault. Like, he's just a he's, a, he's a toad, you know? He is. That's like literally his thing. And I don't know. I kind of like him on the show. So yeah, he's fine. Anyway, then we have this comical <laughs> scene of Rogue holding up the device with the broomstick. because She doesn't want to touch it. Yeah, she's trying to hurl it into the trash. She's afraid of it because she thinks she just murdered Nightcrawler or like sent him into yeah. hell or something. So she's like very carefully carrying it to a dumpster from a distance. And then Toad rounds the corner. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I know. He's like, what are you doing? And Rogue's like, beat it, Toad. I just killed Nightcrawler, I think. <laughs> now leave it alone as I leave it here as, I def- as if you definitely won't take it after I leave. <laughs> Yeah, like what? Also, why does Rogue think that throwing it into the dumpster is a good idea? Like, if it's a portal gun, this is like really dangerous. This is the part that I don't find believable for Rogue because Rogue is pretty smart, especially on this show and in this one scene. She's so dumb. Suddenly, well, maybe she's traumatized. I guess. I mean, I think she's just panicking and she's like, "I got to get rid of the evidence that I just killed Nightcrawler." Well, but then also she sees Toad and she's bragging about it. And then tells him, "Yeah, I know." But I guess it's because she's she's trying to impress. Thing that I'm putting in here, I know you definitely. I won't take it toad and toad's like i'm just gonna take it all right bye like <laughs> yeah. yeah and so then he presses on the the button on the white thing and it creates another sphere that i think liquidates the dumpster or teleports the dumpster yeah. well everything that's happening okay so every single time they use this machine it teleports stuff into silent hill basically yes and it's it creates this huge sphere by the way the mechanics of this don't work so it's not even worth explaining it like later <laughs> when they get out of silent hill i was like no this makes any fucking sense like no it doesn't but it. it's 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 fun meanwhile cyclops is asking gene for relationship advice which i thought was <laughs> really funny because scott's like do you think i should apologize to kurt and gene's like well what matters is what you think yeah. honestly i mean it's your boyfriend yeah. and scott's like you gotta admit he does jerk me around too much, which I read as he jerks me off too much. And Jean's <laughs> like, she's like, is this worth losing your boyfriend? Come on, Scott. What the fuck? Like, get it together. So, yeah, seriously. And then a couple random kids run down the hall and they're screaming that they saw a ghost and a blue and hairy demon and they're screaming about it. And Scott yeah, and is Scott's like, like, I warned oh, him. Hell no. <laughs> I know. So then they check a bunch of places and Kurt isn't in any of them. And Scott yeah, is Scott like. Scott basically starts by bursting into the boys room because like this is where Kurt and I hang out between every classes. Every time they hook up, I, like, I guess. So he's like, I bet he's waiting for me in the men's room. BRB. I like the 
this idea that Scott and Kurt are so horny for each other that they are like banging all the time the at bathroom. the Xavier Mansion, but then also at, at school they can't contain themselves. But apparently they still they're have like to... also fighting a lot, which I feel like is more believable too. Well, I think they're fully they're fighting right now. I think it's like they're at that stage of the relationship where they're past the where they're like a little phase. sick of each other. Yeah, yeah. So then Scott is like, Gene, use your mind powers and find him and tell him to knock all this shit off. And Gene tries to do it, and she can't find him. And it's kind of spooky. And she's like, spooky. it's like he doesn't exist. And then Rogue, yeah. meanwhile, is overhearing this in another hallway because she's just a creepy little goth stalker now. And she's constantly overhearing things conveniently. So, and then well, she- I mean, she's in this show, she's just kind of following the X-Men know, around, but really hiding cute. in shadows. She's it's like really every, funny. Around every corner, Rogue is there feeling bad about what's happening. Um, right. So then Scott immediately jumps to 11. He's like, the brother must have kidnapped him and they're game banning him. Yeah. And then he looks over at Avalanche and Avalanche is like, what the just fuck is your problem, dude? There? Yeah, like, honestly, like, they Scott, did like, not runs, do anything. I don't think did. Uh, this is what I'm saying that the Brotherhood didn't do anything wrong because Scott then runs over and antagonizes the Brotherhood. the shit out of them. Like, for no why? reason. And Fred, Fred is like, get lost, Slim, which I was like, honestly, this is fair. Like, I don't I know. know why this is like, fucking Fred's like, happening. What, why are you here? Yeah. Don't, like, he's like, if we knew where he was, we wouldn't fucking tell you, asshole. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And this, oh, this is when they start fighting. Yeah, they start fighting. They start, they start fighting each other, but they can't use their mutant powers in this fight because then a bunch of other random kids show up and start screaming fight at the four of them. I know. And like, Avalanche is already shaking the ground and Jean's like half levitating yeah, at this point. Yeah, I was point. like, Gene, Avalanche, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> like, please, yeah, Scott's chill. just standing there and yeah, so Scott is Fred. They're both like, uh oh. I mean, at least Fred can just like be super strong. Like, he can use his quote-unquote powers without it really raising any attention. But anyway, Mystique shows up and breaks up the fight immediately. Yeah, she's basically like, stop this bullshit. Gene and Scott, get into my office and get ready to be I, whipped, I like agreed bitches. with her. I was like, honestly, Gene and Scott started this. They are the people who should go to the principal's I office. I don't know. Uh, Gene did not start well, this. Okay, you're right. Scott, Scott started, started this. This is 100 percent Scott's fault. You're again. right. You're right. It's all Scott. Not the mystique. Although it's that. funny because as they walk by, Avalanche makes the loser sign with his fingers <laughs> against his forehead, Remember which I that? thought was so funny. Yeah, Amazing. that was so our time too. I know it's great. So then, um, Kurt is in the mirror universe, and he keeps trying to teleport around, which. I, I think that's part of how people could see him because we've learned a little bit later that like every time he teleports, he can be seen in the real world, but only for like yeah. a second. Um, so then random shit is also falling on top of Kurt's head in, in Silent Hill because every time Toad teleports shit, it appears in Silent Hill. And Toad is in Mystique's office just just teleporting all the furniture away. Everything away, which I don't know why. Like, just, I just don't know why he's doing that. I think because he's mad at her because she yelled at him to not jizz on her car so he's just getting back at her like teenage prank style he's like I'm gonna teleport everything away so I can jizz on it all later without <laughs> you knowing I guess I mean now she has a completely fucking empty office like he teleports all the furniture away luckily Magneto wasn't hiding behind anything in there yeah cause he would've been teleported and he then would've that would've been that Yeah, he wasn't behind the curtain this time by the way before Mystique enters the office she says something along the lines of I don't care what persuasion the Xavier Institute has with the school board yes. and that that answered so many questions for me I'm like oh so Xavier just mind wiped everyone to get his kids into this school yeah basically easy Again. peasy but i also i kind of doesn't really confirm or deny my theory that the reason why mystique is the principal is because she's keeping an eye on xavier i still stand by that theory though like it i makes think sense so too at this point if he's brainwashing people to send his kids to school maybe she should keep an eye on him <laughs> i mean 
maybe i don't know she's not doing a good job but she in theory <laughs> somebody should be checking xavier's power um anyway he's not in this episode it's fine so then she Thank walks God. into her office and it's completely empty and she's like what the fuck is going on i know and then she runs out of the room and gina's got like out the window to see toad teleporting mystique's car away which is really which funny is I, really it's just funny. funny to me honestly and then scott goes i bet i know what happened to kurt and he's not I know, wrong scott's just like i this explains everything yeah i was glad they put it together so quickly like that was helpful me too well they only had 20 minutes you know so mm -hmm. uh anyway so nightcrawler has to now dive out of the way of an entire car falling on top of his head yep. and he has to teleport and when he teleports he goes by gene and Scott. Which is very convenient, by the way. But then, but that's the only time they can see him is like when he's teleporting. Yes. And Gene's just like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and then the sirens come on. And it's like, and it's just, Nightcrawler's like, there's nurses walking down the hallway. <laughs> and so when Nightcrawler teleports, Gene gets like a very brief mental reading on him. And she's like, it's like he's trapped in another dimension, basically. And Scott's like, I think we better talk to Toad. So then right. in Silent Hill, Kurt goes to the gym. And this is where he runs into Teenage Forge who is surprised right. to see him, by the way, and is like, what Forge the fuck? Forge is just like, I know, Forge is who like, uh, where did you, you come from? And he goes, what are you, man? And Kurt's <laughs> like, don't let me looks fool you. I'm a handsome blue fuzzball, but I know you. You're the computer screen dude. And Forge is like, yep, that was my lab. I'm Forge. What's with the Halloween getup? And Kurt's all like, this is my rad look. And I can teleport too. <laughs> it starts. Then this is when like Kurt's like posing and kind of like winking at Forge and like stroking his hair. And then he's like flirting with him. And I was like, okay, they're going to fucking Silent Hill. Also, got it. Forge reveals that he's got powers too. And he turns his arm into like a sweet metal like Yeah. Claw well, because thing. Forge says, Forge has some lingo where he's like, trippy. I thought I was the only one. And he yeah. turns his arm into a cannon. It's cool. So then Toad runs away from Scott and Jean, who are Jean him by the way they all had time to change into their costumes and find kitty and evan for this and so they're all wearing i mean their i guess they just bring their costumes with them to school like that's the only thing in their backpack i, I don't know yes i don't know it's kind of spider-man-esque but i feel like because this show i mean i guess we'll get into it later where it's like what are the x-men really supposed to be doing like is this something xavier would be okay with them doing not that i give a shit what he thinks i mean who I cares really what xavier wants but you i'm know? also like what is xavier training them for i don't know it's interesting I, this apparently chasing toad around to be like give me the machine back yeah uh so meanwhile forge is building something in the uh, the silent hill world mm -hmm. and there's oh my god this is such a long monologue so i'm just gonna like <laughs> condense it and say that forge basically explains that the thing that toad stole was something that forge had invented for a science fair in the 70s yeah which by the way what <laughs> like, i know it's amazing what? like before the internet existed in 1978 can you imagine this kid like inventing a teleportation device to another dimension and he like presents it at a science fair and like they'd be like excuse me we're pulling you out of the school and putting you somewhere else where we can like use you i mean i think they would have done that if he hadn't teleported himself into the middle verse and gotten trapped there for like 20 years because that's know, unfortunately what happened at the science fair is that he turned right. it on teleported himself in the middle verse which is what he's decided to call it and he's just been stuck there and right he's like aging. in this pocket universe yeah. and he's not aging which he said that he accidentally got caught in a ray or whatever when he did it yeah and he doesn't know why he has an age he's like i can't figure that part out mm -hmm. and he's like but then he explains that 
after the accident happened in his lab at the school because they gave him a lab he was like obviously nerdy enough to yeah and by the lab it was probably like the computer lab for the school yeah, that they were he using just, like, took it over and also like added lasers to it as like a defense system okay which, but how, like, how wait hold on but like has nobody gone down there in 30 years i guess not apparently i mean honestly okay if a kid teleported themselves away from the school like would you go there i feel like if you were a I know. teacher well, who that's, knew that's about what that, you'd be like yeah i'm not gonna touch that room that well he says they freaky. shut down this lab after the accident and that everyone freaked out when he disappeared but like i mean he had enough time to plant a bomb in there before it happened yeah or that was just in there anyway but i don't know how he had the technology to do that in 1978 who, who or even any knows? of the other things that are well there. all right so anyway kurt then sees some girls walk by and he tries to pose for them too but they can't even see him i know and then they go into the girls locker room and he has this like of course this like yeah, teenage boy this is where like he's like part of the show app i didn't like where kurt and forge make a joke about how they can't can't go in the girls locker room because the middle verse doesn't extend far enough for that and i was like yeah are you just trying to tell me that they're not gay because like i don't believe it that's, first that's of all. that is what it's and there second for. of all like i don't want them to do that like that's gross and I, weird. I mean it's i know but that is such a teenage thing it, to see it is, like not, but also feels like a very like year 2000 thing like right, i feel like, like that that's, isn't I a mean, joke i don't mean now. actual teenagers i mean like 80s slasher yeah. fic we're all gonna peek through the window yep. and see the girls changing before the killer comes but yes. in this that's not what's happening they're like they're kurt and forge are making out with each other and they see some girls they're like oh um yeah we should go look at them but we can't so let's keep on making out yeah it's also like not even believable to me that the middle verse doesn't extend to the girls locker room like is that just forge lying to kurt and being like yeah we definitely can't go in there don't ask me why it's not because i'm not interested in going in it's right we he's can't like go like, he's quickly what? changes the subject he's like just keep on going down on me <laughs> anyway uh so the forge is like i created this invention for you to teleport back to the real world but it, temporarily to tell somebody but it's gonna last like a second also he uses double a batteries which from they, the like, 70s show, and i was like why and he's like the batteries don't have much power and i'm like why is it literally batteries forge like what the fuck is this thing you made i mean i don't know it's like i don't know how he managed to have those maybe somebody teleported those in maybe toad sent them in he's like oh sweet batteries i don't know i mean maybe they do end up using some of the stuff toad teleported in later on and that's the true so who knows so anyway cyclops is outside shooting at toad who's in a tree being like you can't catch me so cyclops just shoots him down and Gene catches the projector telekinetically mm-hmm. and spike, spikes Toad to a tree. Yeah. And Scott's like, tell us what you did to Kurt. And then Roe comes over. He's like, he didn't do anything. I did. And if you all want to find your blue boy, you better let Toad go. And I was like, <laughs> okay, Roe. Yeah. Like suddenly now she's decided she's very much on the side of the brotherhood. I don't know. But also trying to help the X-Men, right? Like now she's like, okay, now I'm going to help you. And she takes him to the lab. And Roe's like, okay, this is where it happened. Yeah. And Scott's like, if anything happened to my boyfriend. And I, I actually love when Roe goes, you start threatening me and you ain't ever going to find your friend, which is so rogue where Rogue's like, don't you fucking tell me off. I will punch you. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And which Jean is, is like, okay, take it easy, Cyclops. And then yeah, Kurt, like Jean's actually on Rogue's side at this moment. Well, because She's Scott like, Dude. is being so much in this entire episode. He constantly is like this. I mean, he's right. a great character, but like, he's so much so i know and then the background ghost kurt hears cyclops and he like comes and cradles cyclops he's like yeah cyclops cyclops just like i'm always telling you and he just like sheds a single tear and he's like i want to see my boyfriend again but i can't i know 
because I'm a ghost now and I have to date my ghost boyfriend. So then in the background, Kitty and Evan are like running computer diagnostics on the like, freaking they, They're like, gun. we're going to be the only people that's going to do anything useful here. Yeah, so. and Evan knows what operating system it uses, which is like this old one called CPM, which people can Google if they want. I did because it's before my not. time. Um, and Evan's like, talk about retro, man, which is cute. He's adorable. They're all cute. And then Kitty, Kitty says some other stuff about how it's putting out a pulse wave that disappears into thin air. And Scott's like, I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, Scott's <laughs> like, what the fuck are you talking about? And Evan's like, well, we figure the pulse has trapped the crawler in some other dimension. And Cyclops is instantly yeah. is like, okay, we have to destroy this Why machine. Why does he think that's going to work? I don't know. It's like, that's Scott's... I don't know. But then Kitty makes fun of that, too. I did because, like that. <laughs> because, like, Kitty's like, you know, I could just quietly phase through the gizmo and short it out. For, and then she sees Scott be, like, all mad. Be like, like I want to blow it up. And Kitty's like, says, forget I mentioned anything. She turns to Jean. She goes, what's with guys and explosions anyway? And Jean's like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> and meanwhile, Evan and Scott are both, like, extremely amped about blowing up this machine, which, like, fine, whatever. And and Kurt and Forge in the background are like, if they blow up the machine, we're going to be stuck here forever. And so right. Forge is trying to develop this thing that's going to teleport Kurt back into their visibility for, like, a second. That's the thing that's powered by batteries. And so they put it together they managed to make it work, but it only works for like a second. And so Kurt teleports in and it's, he's supposed to tell them to reset the machine and not destroy it. But all he manages to say is reset, reset the, don't, don't and then disappears. And Evan's like, he just told us to blow it up. Yeah. Evan somehow manages to interpret that as blow it up still. And Scott is like, okay. I know. And Kitty's like, I think these dudes are obsessed. <laughs> yeah. And then Scott like finally hesitates and he's like, it did sound kind of like a warning. And then Evan is right. like a warning from the goof man himself. Come on, shred that sucker. Which this is kind of funny. There's been like a running gag where Kurt has been describing himself to Forge as like a jokester back home. Right. And being like nobody takes me seriously so if i tell as he like does a cartwheel away you know yeah like he's worried that nobody's gonna believe him if he tries to tell them anything serious and then forge turns to kurt in this moment he's like man you do have a rep which reminded me how often people use the word rep in this time period oh my god you're right i forgot about that yeah that was a 2000 thing for us yeah and also 90s 90s too in middle school for Mm -hmm, sure mm -hmm. and so cyclops is like Nightcrawler is a joker, but even he knows when it's time to get serious. If he wanted me to blow up the projector, why didn't he say don't reset instead of reset and then don't? Which I liked because like Kurt's like, oh, that's my boyfriend. Yeah. He knows me truly. And then Cyclops, he actually clicks restart instead of reset, which I was like, is that even going to work? But I don't does. know. He also reads all the buttons before he even gets to restart. Yeah, he's so kind of dumb. But anyway, he reads all I the buttons know. and then carefully presses restart. And then this huge energy sphere forms. And then Forge and Kurt appear inside of it. And Cyclops is like, come on, teleport through. But for some reason, they can't because the batteries are out of power, which makes no sense. Well, I think what's happening, what happens is that I think Kurt can teleport, but he can't teleport him and Forge. And Forge is like, go ahead without me, basically. And Kurt's like, no, I'm not leaving you behind. We just had some sexual 
uh, chemistry. <laughs> or I don't know. I don't know. Like he just, he just, they fucked. Yeah. Anyway, so then the Brotherhood shows up. Then Avalanche comes down. He's like, Rogue, Mystique sent us to find you. Are you with us? Or are you with them? And Cyclops like, Mystique, you're working for her? And I'm like, are you just catching on to this, Cyclops? Okay, so this actually really surprised me. So does Scott know who Mystique is? is because i feel like I, that changes everything too i don't know they never had a proper introduction on the show it's like but they don't seem to understand that it's also the principal yeah, that's mainly what i'm asking like do they get that and if they don't get it how is it taking them this long to figure it I out don't, i mean they're being led by scott what can we say and so rogue goes hey summers you've got your friends i've got mine but this ain't my fight i'm out of here i like how rogues like just says that but that's just i mean i feel like this is how they're avoiding her having to fight the x-men again is that every time something bad happens, she's like, I'm out. I'm morally opposed to this, but I'm not going to intervene yet. And she just saunters <laughs> like, out. Just, let's see how many episodes it takes me to become the X-Men that you all know. <laughs> Y'all know I'm going to switch sides, but how long am I going to take? <laughs> huh, sugar? <laughs> anyway, so yeah. then the Brotherhood, want the, they want the projector and they start fighting the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And there's like a fight sequence here where Kurt teleports Forge and him over to Mystique's car in Silent Hill, which Pyramid Head's sitting in. He's like, that's my ride! <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, take the, they take the car, and then they drive the car. Well, okay, I'm skipping ahead. There's a huge you're fight skipping, You're skipping the part where Forge says, groovy ride, far out, man. And Kurt goes, I swear that homie's lingo is so whack, yeah. which I forgot that we used to say so whack back in the 2000s. It's true, we did. It's uh, we were really cool. Um, yeah, we were. Uh, Gene and Cyclops are fighting Fred. Kitty's fighting Avalanche. Toda's bouncing around Spike. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's not fine. really like a, it's, a, an interesting battle by any means. It's not really worth explaining what happens. They're all fighting each other and they're using their yeah. powers. So Kurt and Forge literally take Mystique's car back to the future style and like Drive ram it, it through into the, the present. I know that which work? which comes out and is about to kill everyone, but Fred is standing there, so he catches the car and he destroys the car, but nobody's hurt and i know that this line is kind of bad because fred goes whoa good thing i'm the blob but really i saved everyone but also like really what it means is fred being like whoa good thing i have superpowers and i was here to save your asses basically yeah which is kind of nice i just don't like that he said i'm the blob but like you know in this show it's how he's going to refer to himself so i know it's bad but i do like that that he recognized that he saved the day and like it was him and he's annoyed that nobody else noticed that so yeah and so that he basically saved his friends and then they all leave and i was kind of like why are they leaving are they still trying to get the projector or what but no, for because some reason Toba's all probably, of them leave like they probably all recognize that it was mystique's car that got totaled and like <laughs> we gotta get out of here <laughs> i like that reading that's pretty funny <laughs> so meanwhile rogue spying on the x-men again she loves them she's obsessed <laughs> with them she's just like the third episode of her hiding around corners and spying on the x-men which is really funny i know because she's got a crush on all of them and who could blame her right okay wait so then there's this really funny sequence where Scott's like, hey, you're welcome to crash with us, Forge. And Forge is like, thanks, but I better go find my parents. I'm 20 years late for curfew. <laughs> and I was like, I can we see the version of this episode where, where he, he just shows his up? parents and they're like 70 years old. <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't know. Well, I, feel probably like, like okay, I feel like Forge's parents would be like not surprised because like what we've seen of Forge so far, they're like, yeah, I guess our child would hop back out of that interdimensional portal. I don't know. <laughs> like we don't ever get to see that and I wish we did. I think it would be really funny. I, I'm sure they'd be happy. Oh man, there's going to be a fan fiction out there of that somewhere. Mm-hmm. But speaking of fan fiction, uh, Forge turns around to Kurt and he goes, thanks for blowing me in the middle verse kurt and kurt's like hey anytime then scott walks over and he goes 
okay, well, if you want me to blow you, Forge, here's my phone number. And Forge is like, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Which I, I really love this reading that, like, Kurt and Cyclops are dating, but then, like, Kurt had, like, this, little like, flame. little affair. Yeah, this little flame, but then Scott got jealous, but, like, he wanted to also get on on it. It's actually, like, kind of funny how many times Forge says no to Scott in this scene. Like, I don't really know why they wrote it this way, or if it was intentional. I but mean, it's, like, it's Scott invites gay. them to... S- invites Forge to stay at the Xavier Institute. Forge says no. Scott give, offers him a ride in the car, and Forge is like, no, I'm going to walk. Like, why? Yeah. Like, why is he going to walk? <laughs> yeah, Forge is like, I got to see how, what's changed in the future. Like, he doesn't even give that explanation, though. He's like, no, I'd rather walk than get in the car. Like, why? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. It's I wish like, there was kind more. It's just kind of funny. Like, I, I just like, I like Forge as a character, but I just was like, it kind of reads like Scott is coming on way too strong or like is jealous or something. I mean, he is, though. And then like Forge is like, nah, I'm good with whatever this is and I'm going to leave now. Bye. And it's And Kurt's like, bye bye. And everyone still lets him leave, which is weird to me. It's but very whatever. weird. But it's also like they don't really know him anyway. Um, they all get also, in the car. Like, they're like, he doesn't go to school here anymore. <laughs> anyway, so then the X-Men all pile into Scott's car and Scott checks his boyfriend out in the rear view mirror. He's mm-hmm. looking at Kurt, which I thought was cute. It and Scott's cute. like, uh, you're gonna have to duck until we find you a new image inducer. And Kurt jokingly goes, "So it's true, you really are ashamed of me." And then Skirt, Scott and Kurt start. Uh, that's gonna be their new like relationship skirt. name is Skirt. Yeah, <laughs> cute. Uh, so they start giggling, and everyone's just staring at them. And Scott's like, <laughs> "Everyone's like, can we fucking go? Like, why are we sitting yeah, in the I know. car?" And then, and then Scott's like, "Hey, listen." Uh, about what happened before my bad i'm sorry i still love you and then genie kitty are shocked they're like oh my god yeah. it's got apologized and, and kitty also goes, they are check his temperature mr military's going soft which i thought was fun. i enjoyed that line so and then kurt's like yeah and i'm getting hard so i'll <laughs> dial down the goofing a little bit and scott's all like Kurt and I are going to touch tips when we get home, but first, a training <laughs> session in the danger room. And everybody just groans and is like, why? And then Also, why does Scott get to make that call? I thought that was like Logan or Xavier I or I don't know, Aurora. but it's kind of like Scott is in charge of the X-Babies team. Like, they all kind of treat him like the de facto leader. It's well, weird. Well, I mean, trope. But then Scott turns around and he goes, psych which i thought was really funny and kurt's like there's hope for you yet and then scott goes yeah well tell it to me on the way to duncan matthew's party and then everyone starts cheering they're like yay teenagers and kitty's like but i can't go remember i'm a freshman and scott's like but you're also one of the x-men and Jean like points at her head and she's like don't worry we'll make it happen and kurt's like let's roll and then they like turn on music really loud and mm-hmm. drive down the street and it's like Evanescence is blaring and everyone's <laughs> screaming and dancing. Yeah. Cord comes on, they dance on the car yeah. instead of like going inside the party. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it it reminded me of our childhood in a good way. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like Scott driving and like everyone like sitting, like even the way that people are sitting in the car. I was like, why is Kitty in the middle seat for like no reason? Like all of it was like I mean, very that's high what, I, But I remember I when They're I got my first in car, car in high school, I was like, yeah, I'll drive us to Katie's house or something. And Katie was like, we're going to my house. I'm like, yeah, get in the car. But there were seven of us. Yeah. So there was like three, there was like four people in the back and like two people up front with with me <laughs> that's what this looks like like i feel like there's more room in the back for kitty but instead she and gene are like sharing the 
passenger seat of the front seat of the car. That's what, yeah, but that's what it's like. This is teenage. I don't know. I, I, this is kind of what I miss about being a teenager is like this stupid shit. Yeah, I like, liked it. I liked I miss it. the it days is, when it's... everyone would just run at my car and get inside of it. And then suddenly there'd be like 13 people inside a, like a four seater car. Mm-hmm. Those days will be back because why not? You know, why not? Anyway, what else is happening? Nothing. Anyway. Nothing. Uh, so this episode, I guess we can rate it. I I'll give it a three. I it was yeah, really fun. that's kind of. I'll give it like three point five out of five because it's like I feel like three is too low, but I feel like four is giving it like some like credit. merit that there was some yeah. sort of some something something solid here when there really isn't. It's just <laughs> Nightcrawler going to Silent Hill to like be away from his boyfriend for a little while, and that's the extent of the episode. But the episode is so fun, and it's funny, and it's so gay on all accounts. Like, there's nothing here that's straight. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I feel like it was good character moments for Scott and Kurt, who I'm really enjoying in this show so far. I, I feel like all the Brotherhood stuff, I wish we could see more of them, and I'm looking forward to that, but, like, I didn't mind any of it I don't think we here. really get to see too much of them yeah. in, their, in depth until season two, honestly. But That'll be fun when we get there. Um, yeah. I liked that there were basically no adults in this episode, other than, like, some very brief Mystique stuff, because it just let the kids be kids and like have right. a really low stakes kid problem of like wanting to and go how, to the party how much together. did it remind you of your childhood and your teenage years watching an episode like it this? really did because like remember how often we went to silent hill like constantly we yeah. were just falling well, in there all that the time was on, that was downstairs by the planetarium yeah it just happens sometimes you end up in silent hill you meet forge you give him a quick blowy that's and the, that's the real reason back. why i couldn't make it to class all those times yeah, i skipped classes that i kept on getting lost at silent hill that's like a <laughs> calvin and Hobbes comic strip where it's like somebody the teacher being like why didn't you show up to class where, where were you ryan and calvin was like in a ghost he's realm. like yeah don't you know what it's like i was just walking down the hall and then suddenly some sirens went off and then i was in this crazy world with a pyramid man was chasing me and i was trapped in another dimension that's be what like, it was like kidding. in the year 2000 people don't know yeah. but we're here on this show to remind you of what it was really like i i don't know i don't have anything actually else detention to say, really. in the other the detention in silent hill is probably just pyramid head and like everyone's sitting there and pyramid head like reading a book to them <laughs> that actually sounds pretty chill uh that sounds yeah, nicer than what book. i would have he- thought pyramid head would do oh it's a boring book oh in that yeah. case it's like it's like a, it's, it's like i'm gonna redo this 2000 page history book and everyone groans and cries <laughs> and pyramid heads like ha 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 i do love my torture <laughs> okay is there a who's that x one this week there is great who's that, that x so Pyramid Head first appeared in X Men number one fifty. <laughs> okay, so we're actually going to talk episode. about Forge. Happy yeah. Halloween! We're, okay, not, we're not even in October. Well, I guess we will be in we October be by, by the, the time, time this is released. Out. But we have not talked about Forge. That's the real reason we're talking about Silent Hill, is it? It's not. Yeah. Speaking of Halloween, my my Twitter handle. You know how you dress it up for Halloween? Yes. I dressed it up for Halloween as Mister Sinister like ago. five years ago, three years ago. Oh, I don't know. It was in the run of this show. It's been many years, and I just never changed it back. Now I just am Mister Sinister. I like. I like it a lot. Me too. So does Mr. Sinister. Anyway, uh, so Forge's powers are superhuman intuitive talent at eventing, genius intelligent mystical abilities, and skilled marksmanship. He was created by Chris Claremont and John Romita Jr. He first appeared in Uncanny X-Men number 184. That was about, I don't know, 34 episodes after we met Pyramid Head. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) He is a Native American of the Cheyenne Nation. 
He is a trained medicine man, but is often relied on for his technology to accomplish his tasks. This rift between Forge and his teacher, Natsu, or Naze, I think that's how it's actually pronounced. I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm botching that name. This forced Forge to leave his past behind and join the military because of this fight between these two. Okay. Forge served in the Vietnam War. He rose up the ranks to sergeant. He declined an offer to join S.H.I.E.L.D. because he felt like he was needed in Vietnam. Uh, During his duty at war, his comrades were killed by the enemies, and in anger, Forge summoned a band of demons with his magic powers to destroy the enemy troops. Worried about his former comrades still, he ordered a B-52 bombing on his position to close the portal to the world of the dead, and the bombs destroyed the spirits... I, I, I apparently, I mean, this is like Marvel, so magic and science is, is kind of like, the same. Yeah, that's true. What what era was that? Was that like written decades I think ago? It was like seventies or eighties. Yeah, it was something so like, like you know, that. of the time. Yeah, right. Huh. Uh, so the bombs did destroy the spirits, but it also made uh, Forge lose his right leg and hand, which mm-hmm. we know because mm-hmm. he then has those cybernetic replacements that he has in place of those. And because of this event, he's kind of stopped using his mystical abilities. Um, I think every now and again we see it happen, but he, for the most part, sticks to technology, hmm. which I think that's what the portal thing that this is supposed to represent is right. like. Like they don't really give him magic here. They well, they just probably him... didn't want to go down that route yeah, because they have a super racist, but whatever. Yeah. So anyway, when Tony Stark stops making advanced weaponry for the U.S. government, Forge is hired by the Defense Department to do it instead. Forge is commissioned to design a weapon to detect shape-shifting aliens, the Dire Wraiths, but accidentally creates a device capable of neutralizing mutant powers, which the President and Henry Gyrick take from him to use against the X-Men, primarily against Rogue, but instead it affects Storm. And Storm gets knocked out, and Forge rescues Storm from a river that she falls into, and she he brings her home back to his home in Dallas, Texas, and they develop romantic feelings for each other until Storm discovers that Forge was the one who created the device in the first place, and she leaves him. Mm-hmm. Forge later builds a neutralizer big enough to go onto the race's home world and casting the entire race into the world of Limbo, which is Magic's whole ordeal. Uh, and then Forge then destroys the remaining neutralizers, so they're all gone. The adversary then takes the shape of Nase, who is the previous the guy that forge got in a fight yeah. with yeah 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 and convinces storm of as nazi he convinces storm that forge was driven insane by her leaving him and he was planning to open the gate to hell so storm goes after forge and stabs him but instantly realizes that she was tricked the adversary then banishes both forge and storm into another dimension for an unknown period of time where they rekindle their romance until forge is able to restore him restore Storm's powers, and they figure out how to get them back home. They return to Earth, and they join X-Men in their battle against the adversary. Forge is required to sacrifice nine willing lives to banish the adversary forever. Eight X-Men and Madeline Pryor volunteer to die in the casting Forge's spell, but the goddess Roma secretly restores all the X-Men to life without telling him. Ileana then blames Forge for the death of her brother, and Forge lets her stab him with the soul sword, hoping that it will kill him, but it doesn't work. So that's a bunch of crazy bullshit. That it happens. is, yeah. Um, but typical X-Men bullshit. So mm-hmm. Forge is one of the mutants who does not know about the X-Men's secret resurrection. So he works alongside Mystique's Freedom Force for a while. Banshee then approaches Forge about finding the X-Men because Forge has been having visions of them still being alive. They travel the world together and probably bang, honestly, because it is Banshee and Forge. (laughs) And when they do find the X-Men, they become full-time members for the team. 
Forge then plays a critical role in defeating Cameron Hodge, as well as overthrowing the Genosian government. He also redesigns the Danger Room and the Blackbird into sort of the modern-day Danger Room and Blackbird that we know today. Forge and Storm's relationship becomes rocky after this because they are on the same team. And Forge eventually leaves the X-Men because he was planning to propose to Storm, but she think, he thinks that she will reject him, so he just leaves instead. Wow. Which is kind of sad. It is sad. Forge goes back to Dallas and becomes a government contractor again to help with the mental care of Mystique at the time. During that time, Forge and Mystique have an affair. Forge replaces Valerie Cooper as the government liaison for the X-Factor. During this time, he forces Mystique and Sabretooth to work on the same team for him, and Forge and Mystique fall in love during that time. He also saves Strong Guy's life at some point. Eventually, Sabretooth betrays and attacks the team because everyone saw that coming. It's fucking <laughs> Sabretooth. He's got one trick on this pony. Yep. And he severely injures Forge. During that time, Mystique uses the opportunity to leave the team. And after Forge recovers, he refuses to join Havoc's new X-Factor team because he doesn't trust him. There is a Terminator-esque story in which Forge is building his own version of Nimrod to protect mutants, but then mm. that version of Nimrod comes to the future to warn him about shit, but then goes evil anyway and has to be defeated. Classic. Yeah, you know. It is an 80s thing we've got going on, but I think we were in the 90s at this point. Uh, During the Messiah Complex story with Hope, he is shot and severely wounded by Bishop and Bishop's craze to kill Hope. Right. Which is uh, this, God, fucking Bishop. I wish they did make this. That does him so wrong. We've talked about it before. We have. We don't need to get into that because we talked about it on Bishop's highlight episode. People can go back. Many years ago. Uh, Forge goes mad after... Bishop's attacks and hides in the Wonder Girl Mountain to avoid all life where he becomes obsessed with opening a parallel universe so he can send the X-Men into this open ghost box before the worlds collide or some other insane shit. (laughs) I don't know. Ghost box was very confusing. I think that was a part of Warren Ellis's run. So, of course, it was confusing. (laughs) Uh, This doesn't work out and everything is destroyed and Storm offers Forge to come home and Forge refuses. Instead, he stays in the complex as it's destroyed. But it turns out that he's okay because then Cable finds him and asks Forge to join the X-Force, which is a great run, by the way, was the Cable's X-Force. It was about 20 issues with Cable, Is that Domino, Deadpool? Domino, Colossus. That one's good. Uh, Phantom X is there, I think, and Forge and Boom Boom. Mm -hmm. I loved that run. Uh, So anyway, Cable cures Forge of his insanity with his psychic powers, which is convenient. Forge then joins the X-Men where he programs Cerebra into the body of a Sentinel. So there was that period of time where like she was just a Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Um, and since then, I mean, he's been, he's popped up here and there. And in terms of Krakoa, Forge has been seen helping Professor Xavier modify Cerebro and also helping the Marauders. So cool. There you go. I actually enjoy Forge when he's around. I do like him as a character. He's an interesting character. I mean, I feel like he's a good example of somebody who's made a lot of mistakes, as we just recapped, but he's they're usually interesting mistakes, and they result in in cool storylines, so right. I feel like it's worth it. As opposed to, like, Bishop, where I'm like, usually when Bishop fucks up, it's just frustrating, but most of Forge's stuff is, like, cool and weird. Right, but my question is that with Forge... Because they have they have all this magic that I don't even think is like correct to his heritage, but I could be wrong. It, you know, it's really hard to find out stuff like that because I feel like a lot of people now, like that kind of media criticism happens a lot more often now, which is very cool. But whenever I'm like, I want to know what people think about this 1980s storyline, like what what did Native people think about Danny Moonstar, but like ages ago, like whenever I try to find essays like that. It's really hard to find them because I think a lot of people just don't go back and read old 70s and 80s comics because why on earth would they? But like, I don't know. I don't know if there's native writers who've been analyzing Forge's story. I would love to read it if there are. Maybe people can email them 
to us. But I know right. I've, I've tried to look into stuff like that before just because I'll reread things and be curious and be like, what did people think about this? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think people do more of that writing now. It's a lot easier to write stuff on the internet in like post 2010s onward. <laughs> there's a lot more writing <laughs> yeah. about different stuff because there's more blogging platforms. Maybe not in 2020. But I but guess like back then, I mean, you're right. What was the easiest way to research then? You still have to go you, to the yeah, library. Also, it's, it's relatively recent now that stuff like Marvel Unlimited even exists and that like so many comics are online. Yeah. You can pirate them. I mean, you know, obviously pay for comics if you can, but like it's, it's relatively easy now to get comics for free as well. So that means that a huge history and legacy of comics is available to everyone. So there's more right. writing about it than ever before, but there's so many years and years of stories where I'm like, no one's ever written about this or this or this. And like, that's kind of cool. Like, it's like, it's all out there for you and people could analyze yeah. it. And we do it on this show sometimes, which is fun. And I guess my question is like, when you were, when they were writing this stuff back in the eighties, right. especially for Forge's storyline, you know, could they easily even research the the I mean, Cheyenne descent? I know that they have. could, but this is before the internet, right? Right. So, like, these are books that Americans have written for the most part and are given to you. And we know how we feel about American history. Yep. That's I given mean, to us. I think it's also, like, it, it's, it reflects the politics of the time period. I mean, we talk about this a lot. Sure. But it's also... Usually, even if by our standards, like the 70s and 80s comics, X-Men comics are like pretty racist, like if you go back and read them, at right. the time, sadly, they were often very progressive because it was like they were actually depicting characters of color as heroes. True. And like, yeah, often they would be very stereotypical in terms of like what their powers would be, like Forge being a great example of that. But the fact that they were there and that they would get to be lead characters in these storylines a lot of times or like have conflicts and serious issues or whatever, like that was pretty fucking cool. And I mean, that's why a lot of people liked comics is because there would be all these different characters that you could enjoy and be like, wow, yeah. here's somebody that looks right. like me in a comic, even if they yeah. are a stereotype. I don't know. Right. I mean, it's and that's that's very true. And I think that this was progressive for its time. But now we're like, I don't know, 30 years later and we look at it, we're like, we need it to be more progressive. Well, but, but I well, think that's, that's, that's kind the, of that's happening. Not a bad now, like, thing. I don't I don't think that's a bad thing that it's been growing over time. You know what I mean? And that there are changes being made. So and it also is always cool to me that you can look back at these historical comics and be like, there are a bunch of characters of color that could be rewritten or rebooted now in a cooler way, but like they already exist. Like you don't right. even necessarily have to invent these characters. They're already there. You can just like right. find a new way to tell the story and put it in somebody else's hands. And that's cool too. This reminds me a lot of like James Bond's films, like over the decades and you can see yeah. how the world is changing around that story. Because like, you know, when you look at earlier John James Bond films, like it's like the there's nobody books. They're garbage. I know it's, Oh my God. It's like, it's, it's just like, Mickey's you know, women can't do anything in them. I know, but then, they're racist, then, then you they're go sexist. Yeah. Yeah. But then you go and watch like one of the ones with, um, Daniel oh my God, Craig. What's his name? Oh my Pretty God. He's boy. such a gorgeous. Honk. Oh my God. We've got like people of color. We have badass yeah, women. They're, you know, they're the not new just like. One, I think they're going to like make 
I don't. Why are we talking about James Bond on our X Men? Because show? we because we sometimes we get into that thing Cause, too. Because this is a show about Silent Hill. It's about every adaptation of Silent Hill. It's James Bond going into Silent Hill, and it went when James Bond's in Silent Hill, he also has sex with Kurt and Forge, but the adult versions of them. And he's like, happening. James Bond turns around, and is like, I was bisexual all along, and we're like, we know. <laughs> anyway, who's gay? The X obvious like sometimes we get to this section of this show and i'm like does this section even need to be here because we've already like it does because we've decided that it that everyone is dating on this show i feel like you could watch this episode if you weren't us and you didn't choose to read it that way and you would not see any of the things that we claim are here however uh, that's boring and and it's wrong even the way that they're animated in this, it seems very flirtatious in it nature. Does. Whatever, like Kurt and Scott are looking at each other. They're like, like shouting in each other's faces know, dramatically with their really close. A and then like apart. Kurt keeps on like brushing his hair in front of Forge and Scott, being like, "It's me, I'm beautiful." And Scott's like, kind of like rubbing his pants a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, they're cute. I like them together. And I mean, I said it at the beginning, but like, I do feel like that funny man, straight man dynamic that they have like obviously it's going to continue for the rest of the series but it's just like a classic romantic thing too right to like have the goofball and then the guy who can't seem to loosen up and like he finally loosens up to have gay sex with his best goofball friend Kurt Wagner exactly you can't beat that like that's just a classic romantic pairing right there it's perfect it is it is. I mean, like, it's different. It's a very different dynamic from him and Gene, where he's yes. like, Gene, please step on me. Like, you know, that's it what is. he wants. And I don't even ship them on this show, which is interesting because I feel like I liked that pairing so much when I was at this age. But like, yeah, but like, maybe not on this show because even later on, I don't really like, see they see it at all. Like, Gene seems kind of gay half the time. <laughs> like, I don't even, I don't know. Like, <laughs> she seems more interested in some of the time. And like, the way that she talks to Scott, she just treats him like a friend. Like, she doesn't right. even seem interested. Well, I mean, in this episode, Scott goes to Gene for relationship advice about his gay boyfriend. Yeah. And like, I don't know. It's almost like Gene is coaching them but like in a friend way i don't know that was more how i read it i don't really read gene and scott as having a romantic chemistry not now anyway i'll see how it goes i just remember very strongly the pilot episode of this show gene and scott had like a very intense romantic chemistry where they were like flirting in the bathroom door and all that shit and like oh yeah that's right like touches scott's face and she's like wait for me like I'm sexy, but I'm not going to date you yet. And I was like, I guess this is going to be the whole show is like horny, bisexual gene flirting with everyone. But it kind of hasn't been that. Like, it's kind of been like cool lesbian gene like i don't even know what to think of this i appreciate that i feel like this version of gene is much closer to the cool version of gene that will be in the comic book sometimes i'm like i'm rereading x-men red right now and like that version of gene in x-men red reminds me so much of x-men evolution gene where she is pretty sassy but also like smart right like socially competent like emotionally intelligent i don't know i like, like that. i i don't need the phoenix to be unleashed and badass i'm just uh, like badass on my own basically you know 
Mm-hmm. I like it. I I don't really have a reason to ship her and Kitty. I'm just doing it anyway because why not? And I think it's fun. And it is. It is. I like that for them. So that's this episode. Oh, Forge is also gay because oh, sure. Forge is definitely gay because him and Kurt have a fling. In and I've Silent now Hell. decided that his reasoning for why the Middleverse didn't extend to the girls' locker room was because of an elaborate lie that he told himself about why it was okay that he didn't want to go in there. That's that. Yeah, that's what that's how I feel about it too. He's and from also the 70s. Pure, he hates himself a little bit for being gay and he's gonna learn to love that's himself. Fair. That's fair, but that's why he could, that's why he built the middle verses so he could go in there with like other that's dudes and not so be caught. Sad. I oh uh, now it's sad. Oh I'm sorry, I just took it that way because <laughs> of the time. No, I know. I know. Also we don't know we don't know what nineteen seventy eight was like, but we do know what two thousand was like, and people were like at least kind of waking still up to change. Doing that? A I little bit, a little bit, but I would believe that Kurt would be like that cool modern boy from 2000 who'd be like hey you don't have to hate yourself that much like we can make yeah, out look a little at me. bit I, i'm into it so come on yeah and also pyramid head is bisexual mm-hmm. also so. like forge going back to see his parents like what the fuck happened there like i just i don't even I know. Don't know i still I, want the conclusion to that story and i know i'm never going out? to get it like no, he comes back never- on this show so maybe he's gonna like at least refer to it and be like yeah i still don't want to move in with xavier that situation's fucking weird bye like what? i don't know I don't it's know. like it's like everything else with this show where it's kind of a slow build-up i really am disappointed that season four just gets cut off in the middle of season four and it's they have to wrap everything up and it's like although we thought we thought the end of X-Men TAS was going to be disappointing. Like that was how we had remembered it. But in rewatching it, we liked it a lot more than we thought we would. That uh, might happen with uh, the well, show too. I mean, X-Men Evolution's last... It's, uh, I could describe X-Men Evolution's series finale very similar to Young Justice where it was like they oh, had been building yeah. something that was really good. And then they're suddenly like, you're canceled and you have like two episodes left. So they just have to wrap everything up quickly. And it's just all the X-Men and all the characters showing up to like battle poorly for like two episodes against Apocalypse. And I'm like, what happened? I know. And they like, they kind of show a glimpse of what the future is going to look like, but then we don't get to see it. And I'm sure that Forge would have become a bigger portion of like season five or even the second half of season four that we never got to see, you know? So yeah, that would have been fun. But unfortunately that's not the show we got. Anyway, Are we done? Plugs? We are. It's time for the plugs. Logan, get the plugs. I'm using it right now, Bob. Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> okay, wait. First, we got to kick off this plug section with the totally sweet clip about our Teespring shop, which I'm oh, going to yeah. keep using because it rules. Do you have what it takes to be as gay as Wolverine? Now you can channel your inner queen X-Men by getting sweet Mutant Ages merchandise. We have t-shirts, mugs, sweatshirts, masks, bags, Storm jumping up on one platform, a floating cube, Corsair crashing his ship 13 times. And now you can get an all new design of Bishop jumping out of the bushes and screaming, Time travel is real! Get all of your Mutant Ages merch today by visiting us at teespring.com at the Mutant Ages shops or go to themutantages.com and click the link on the right. Unleash your mutant queer powers today! Hi, chalkboard. The Mutant Ages! <laughs> I'm glad you enjoy that commercial as much as I enjoyed making it, it every week. I don't know if people will no, listen to it. No, we every have to week, play it forever. But I love it. I'm so glad you made it, and I love our Teespring store. And I hope people it would be are really funny if, out. like, a few months from now, I did a different commercial parody. I don't know what that one is. Kind of we that watched one a is, lot of X Men commercials. I feel like the most true. memorable one was Wolverine's claws on the blackboard. So well, it's hard because to beat it was that. like jarring. It was just like this horrible noise, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. 
and we just want to listen to it over and over every single week. But anyway, we've got well, plenty of other plugs to talk you, about. Okay, so you can find it on themutantages.com. If you go over there, there's a link to it on the right. But there's also other things on the right, too, like our email and our P.O. box of many different ways for you to reach us. Because guess what? What? Excuse me. I'm sorry, I was, I started. I started. I, I thought you were waiting for me to say what. No, I, was like, wow, I just started burping. I thought you were just going to keep going. Guess what? <laughs> okay. Really no. You said guess what and then burped really loudly into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, should have, I should have just done that all right well i said i was being polite and i burped away from the microphone um anyway so there's there's plenty of ways you can contact us because guess what we just did a reader mail episode we and did. on the reader mails we'll read anything you send in to us anything. at the really? gmail.com it's shocking what we'll read yeah you can also leave us voicemails at 1508 319-1668 or you can send us physical mail at P.O. Box 3344 Knitting, Massachusetts 01760. We'll probably be doing a virtual unboxing very soon mm-hmm. um, as long as, as soon as we can find uh, a, a time where our schedules can align to do that. But also like, you know... We're recording the show weekly. Isn't that good enough for you all? It's not. Uh, yeah. Because you know what else we have? We've got a YouTube channel. Discord? Well, we also have a Discord. Fine. I'll talk about the Discord first. So the Discord channel invite is also at mutantages.com. It's on the right-hand side. You just scroll on down. You can find all of our social media links and also a link to our YouTube channel where we are playing every single X-Men game. Slowly but surely, we are Let's Playing our way through all of those. We're commentating them. It's fun. Hell it's, yeah. it's rad. Also, Ryan takes clips from this show and he sets them up with the animated series, whatever one we're watching. There's a great one of Logan putting on his outfit for Sabretooth from X-Men Evolution. You can check that out. <laughs> I was talking about that. And also like old ones from X-Men TAS that are very funny and great. And just like old live action clips of Ryan and me as both adults and also teenagers pretending to be the X-Men and like making oh, fun yeah. of and ourselves. Sometimes we're reacting to the old teenage movies we made as kids. And right now I'm actually taking the clips from D-Men, which mm-hmm. was the X-Men parody series that we made that Y'all Greatest have probably watched ever, at this point. Yeah, really. it's a one like so many Oscars and somehow even some Emmys. Yeah, but you know, basically, I'm taking the stop animation clips so you can get so you can watch them in their original form be- and not With no commentary, just just the perfect stop animation on clips. the one that we posted on youtube you and i kind of skipped over some of that because it was kind of like unbearable and by unbearable i of course mean hilarious and amazing well i mean it is hilarious but like you hear us screaming over it because we're laughing so hard so i've been putting those out so y'all can actually see those in their original glory so yeah yep. and also you can find my youtube channel at ryan pagella and it's a vlog i do all sorts of things sometimes i put some photography and videography videos up there but mostly it's my adventures sometimes maddie's there sometimes mm-hmm. katie's there it's my life if you to see what we're like when we're not performing this is a good opportunity to see that we're always kind of performing though but yeah are, you're, but you're not wrong. you could also find us on all sorts of social media because i'm true. just like youtube i'm on twitter at ryan pagella and on instagram at ryan.pagella i am on twitter and instagram at mini myers and so is the mutant ages and it's also on facebook pinterest tumblr uh I don't know. Hell. Hell. I don't know. You name it. Silent Hill. You know what I mean? Yep. It's in Silent Hill. It's a totally different show in Silent Hill. Way funnier, honestly. I mean, yeah. But uh, yeah, so follow the Mutant Ages in Silent Hill, I'd say. Can you imagine if like the Mutant Ages in Silent Hill is just us as teenagers? (laughs) Or it's like the mirror universe versions of us. So it's like... We're like not goth? I don't know. Madison and 
Rylon? I don't fucking know. <laughs> this is us like us us coming up with the organization thirteen names all over again. <laughs> We're not gonna do this right now. All right. So anyway, That's a we also have show that we also have the mutant yeah, ages and that... Kingdom Hearts is oh a my separate god. Can you thing. imagine if you Todd and I started a Kingdom Hearts podcast? No, no one. Okay, first of all, everyone should be begging us to do that. People should be <laughs> running to the Patreon. Running, yeah. not walking to the Patreon and demanding that we expand the Mutant Ages Extended Universe to include that, first of all. Second of all, we have a Patreon. You should absolutely support it. We're a weekly show. We're working hard. We're, we're pumping out content for you. We love you. We love this show. And if you have disposable income, we are so grateful to those of you who are able to support us. Ryan is mostly unemployed but like working a bunch of freelance odd jobs here and there and this is one of his few sources of income during this insecure time for so many people and so it's extra double appreciated um so just yes, check out patreon.com slash the mutant ages kick us a buck you get some pretty cool rewards if you do it you get like copies of my songs from the show you get bonus episodes behind the scenes videos aim logs from when ryan and i were teenagers like all kinds of weird shit in the patreon that is only for our subscribers and we give a shout out to our highest level donors who are the groovy soren b and samuel b (laughs) far out guys thanks for helping us out (laughs) totally trippy but we like totally love it dudes all right anyway love it love that did we do it is that no wait okay if you, oh, we didn't. If you cannot afford to support the show, first of all, thank you for listening. We still love you very much. But also, you can share the show on your own social media and you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and on Facebook as well. You can leave a rating. You can leave a comment on SoundCloud. Share it with your friends. There's all these other ways to support the show non-monetarily so that other people who will love this show can find it and listen to it. And enjoy and it. And enjoy it. Because when you want that, if you like this show, you probably yeah, want, we want that. The Mutant Ages needs to grow and expand and become one with the universe and the world. Yeah. Just like the Phoenix and just <laughs> like this butt plug I'm about to put in Wolverine. Enjoy, you know? Enjoy. Yeah. I see, yeah. say it every week. Uh, it's time for Ryan to go in the other room and fuck Wolverine. And <laughs> I like how that's how, that. that is just how the Mutant Ages always ends. That's, it's, that's well, how it originally ends. started with me calling him, but now he's just here in the other room and he's like shaking the butt plug, being like, come on, please. Yeah, I get it. You got to stimulate yeah. that prostate, man. Anyway, we'll see yeah. you next time. See you next time. The Mutant-